God, we honor you right now. Jesus, we thank you for this moment right now. That we get to abide in you. We get to abide in your presence in this place right now. I feel like some of you might be feeling like a beating in your chest that's maybe faster than normal. And that's the Holy Spirit this morning. He says, come and abide in me. He's our refuge. He's our strength. He is our hiding place. When the chaos of the world and the things that aren't going the right way, he is our hiding place. If we can abide in him and find our rest in him, he is that shelter, that hiding place. We were here Friday night for a prayer meeting. And I don't believe there's any coincidence in Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit knows the thread of what's going on. And Christine came up and she had a word of rest. And I feel like this morning, we need to enter into a new rest. We need to enter into a new place of rest. Because when we abide in him, again, he is our hiding place. He is our shelter. He is our hope abide in him so if you guys would I encourage you to raise your hands up and just let the peace of God flood over you from the top of your fingertips over your head down your back down your legs into your feet and we're going to breathe in breath and when we breathe in we're breathing in Jesus we're breathing in the breath that Jesus gave us and when we breathe out we breathe out anything that's been trying to hinder us from the presence of God anything that has not allowed us to have him be our refuge and our strength so on the count of three Breathe that in, and then we're going to release that. One, two, three. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, we abide in you this morning. God, we thank you for your presence here. Thank you for the sweet aroma of praise to you this morning, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you for the new rest given this morning. And God, we'll be careful to give you all the glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's just give the Lord some praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. You guys, I just want to honor my worship team. If you guys would, let's give them a round of applause. They sometimes.
what they do, but man, their hearts are so pure for the Lord. I think I may be ringing, maybe not, maybe it's just me. Um, okay, maybe if we could turn it down a tiny bit. You guys can go ahead and sit down. Um, but yes, I love the worship team. It's truly wonderful to have them. <laughs> Try not to. It's truly wonderful to have them stand behind you when you have that group of people that can stand in war with you through life and they journey with you. It's an amazing thing. And so if you don't have people like that in your life, you need to find those people because they will have your back always. So anyways, my name is Kirsty. Uh, I probably haven't actually met all of you. Sometimes I see you all from up here and I get to see your beautiful faces, but I don't actually get to talk to you. So it's good to see you this morning in a different way. Um, but I am married to a person that just walked that way. <laughs> I was going to say I'm married to the drummer, but we have a couple drummers now. So I'm married to one drummer, <laughs> that one back there. Um, and we have three kids, Trayson. He's like, mom. And Taitlin and Titus. And if you are wondering, I'm not just gaining weight to gain weight. We are expecting and having our baby in December. And this is our anthem baby. And God had told me a couple months ago that we would be having our anthem baby. And for any of you who don't know, we've just had um, a lot of loss. And so we are excited that God has given us this word and we are standing and believing that this baby will be born and the declaration is anthem. So as far as we know, the kids keep calling the baby anthem. So um, if you're wondering, because I know the ladies wonder things like this, we don't know the sex of the baby. So number one, we'll find out. And number two, we're like 18 weeks. So that covers it. So you're paying attention to the message and not wondering how far along I am. <laughs> and no, we're not having twins, so don't ask me that. <laughs> so... Um, I also want to honor pastors because honestly, pastor, he gives me that look like right when I look at him, I feel <laughs> they have walked so much of my journey and my family's journey. And it's just such a blessing because the things that they do that go unseen, they just live such a pure life seeking after the kingdom of God. And so I just want to thank them. You guys would thank them with us because they're just two amazing people that seek after the Lord to come and bring you guys a message every week. And it's always genuine. So thank you guys. Um, but when pastor, he texted me and he said, what do you think about speaking a Sunday again? I kind of just laughed at him. But to his surprise, I had had a dream two nights earlier where God had told me pastor was going to ask me to speak. <laughs> so when he asked me, I kind of just laughed because I was like, ha, that's funny. Uh, that's confirmation right there for me. But what the Lord had put on my heart was talking about intimacy. And I don't know, have any of you been here the past two times Lynette ministered and then even when Trey Johnson was here, if you has, Yeah. They both had like the same thread of like little things that I had for my message. And every time Lynette would get up or Trey, I was like, they're speaking the whole message I have, which would be super cool. 
But it's so cool to see how Holy Spirit pieces together each and every part of what each speaker is going to be speaking on. And so what I wanted to talk to you guys about today is the history of our intimacy with the Lord. And you may be saying, well, what is the history of our intimacy with the Lord? Well, the history of our intimacy with the Lord is what we're doing with the Lord and what we're giving our attention to. And in Lynette's message, I think it was two weeks ago, she talked about what we give attention to will thrive. So what, what are we giving our attention to that's creating intimacies outside of God that we're putting in front of God? And so in Proverbs 9, 10, it says the starting point for acquiring wisdom is to be consumed with awe in worshiping Yahweh. To receive the revelation of the Holy One, you must come to the one who has living understanding. So let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, we thank you that you're our living understanding, God. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the nature and the character of you being a loving father. God, we pray right now with this new rest that we've received this morning that you would help to open the eyes and to open the ears and to open the hearts of everybody in here this morning to also receive a new intimacy with you, God, that today marks the day where we create new history of intimacy with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you guys would, we're going to go ahead and turn to Hosea. Um, As you're turning to there, we'll go to Hosea 3.1. And I'm going to kind of give you a background of Hosea. So back in this time, Hosea was a prophet of the time. And God came to Hosea and said, I have a word for you. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when God says, I have a word for you, I'm like, yes, like I get a word from God. And you're like in this anticipation of what's the word going to be. Well, the word that God gave to Hosea was you are going to marry a harlot. And not only are you going to marry her, but you're going to conceive children with her. And oh yeah, by the way, she's going to leave you and she's going to go have lots of relationships with other men. Now, that's probably not the word I would want to hear from the Lord. (laughs) But he faithfully listened to God and was like, okay, God, I, I can imagine in that moment, he's probably thinking, I have no idea what you have for me in this, but I'm going to follow after you because I trust you. You've always been there before. I'm going to trust you. And so he marries this harlot and her name is Gomer. And they, (laughs) I know, they're unique names. So uh, just wait for the next one though. Gomer has one son. Then she has a daughter. And then she has another son. Now, the third child that they have, they name Lo-Rahamah. Now, Lo-Rahamah means one who has not experienced compassion or love. I know when we name our children, we pray about the name. We ask the Lord 
for what the meaning is so that when we speak that child's name, we are in continual declaration of the destiny of that child. So I couldn't imagine calling your child Lo Ruhama. Just, just kind of harsh, I feel like. Um, anyways, later on, God changes the names of all the kids. So there is restoration and redeeming of their names, just so you know. But um, anyways, his wife ends up leaving him. And she goes in pursuit of everything but her husband. She goes in pursuit of other men and other things, setting these things above her husband and above God. So Hosea, he's over here and he's going, okay, God, I'm seeing this all come into fruition of what you told me was going to happen. And he remembers what the Lord said. And the Lord said, you will go back and get your wife. So Hosea, the prophet, goes into the unimaginable places. Maybe some of you have been to places like, I personally know someone who's has a family member that they've had to go into the slums to find them. And it's not always a pretty place. And so someone of that statue, a prophet, was not to be seen in the dark places and where the prostitutes were and where all these people were sinning against God, going after their own godly desires. And so Hosea goes to find his wife and he finds his wife at this guy's house. And he says, Hey, that's my wife. And the guy looks at him and it says, well, that's great, but you're going to have to pay me. So once again, he remembers what the Lord said. So let's uh, go ahead and come here to Hosea 3.1. And the Lord says, Go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover, and is committing adultery just like the love of the Lord. For the children of Israel, who look to other gods, and love the raisin cakes of pagans. So raisin cakes of pagans were like, anything but God. They were little things that were idolatry towards God. So anything that people worshiped that was outside of God. Verse two says, so I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one of a, one and a half homers of barley. And I said to her, you shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So too will I be towards you. And so I'm sure Gomer was thinking when Hosea came to buy her back that he was probably just paying for her to use her like every other man had because that's what she had enslaved herself to. But Hosea knew the word of the Lord. He was in intimacy with the Lord. So when he recalled that word that God gave him, when he went to get his wife, He said, come on, come home with me and live with me. You are my wife. And he spoke her destiny back into her life. He called her who she was by God's daughter, not what she had done. So I go to this story because I feel like we live in a world that is very self-consuming, self-seeking, 
I'm not talking about like the women's deal self-care. That's important too for males and females. But I'm talking about we live in a world where maybe we had a bad day. Um, We went to a meeting. We had work. We had our kids screaming at us. Maybe you had a great day, but it's just we live in a world that is super noisy. I mean, it's convenience that we have. We have two-day Amazon shipping. We have DoorDash. We have click lists. We have social media in front of our face constantly. And I feel like sometimes we use these things as an escape to get out of the reality of where we're in instead of turning towards the king. Because God is the only one who is going to be able to take us to the place, take us out of the chaos and bring everything back into order. We live in this world where we feel like I deserve to come home and watch the 30-minute television show that maybe I shouldn't be watching. Go have a beer. Go have that glass of wine because I deserve it. I had a rough day. Um, Maybe it's another cup of caffeine because we seem to live on caffeine all day long. And like I said, instead instead of going to Jesus, we're using this as an escape, like a mindless escape. And I had heard someone say entitlement is the enemy to intimacy because it's teaching us that it's all about us. It's getting us to escape and to break away from his belonging. So what are we doing to create history of intimacy with the Lord? Are we going and and being mindless about things and trying to have the escape of what we feel like we need making it about us? Or are we going to the Lord with the things that really matters to him? Because there's nothing too little or too big. It all matters to him. So I ask you, think about your personal life. Like I've had to ask myself, like, when is it the time that I'm going to leave a, lead a complete driven life to the intimacy of the king instead of creating intimacies with other things. And we have to stay in our position of intimacy because when we leave it, we're leaving God out of everything that we're doing. So part of the intimacy with me and my walk with God was years ago, I was saved. I was walking in relationship with the Lord and I was leading a life that really wasn't creating any intimacy with the Lord. I wasn't seeking him like I should. I wasn't in the word. I mean, God is not separate from the word and neither is the Holy Spirit. But I was personally separating myself from the word of God. God is a God of free will and he lets us choose where our devotion is, right? But I wasn't allowing God in my life where he should have been. I was choosing to put my devotion in other places. I was allowing my life history to be pretty ugly. And I was creating a history that I would say, and people probably would say, you're a cheat, you're a liar, you're fake towards God, you're fake towards people. And I was almost blinded by 
what was in front of me because I wasn't having that purpose-driven life towards intimacy with the Lord. And it was pretty soon after I started realizing, I started having some conviction from God about, hey, where are you really going? What, what are you doing? You're, you're creating these intimacies with everyone else, with everything else. You're not giving your family what they need. You're not giving me, God, what you need. And it, it just, it didn't make sense. I could imagine God going, hey, where are you at? But like, come on, come back, like, because I'm right here. So God speaks to me through a lot of dreams. And I know a lot of people who God speaks to through dreams. And there was a lady who was on our worship team. And she called me. And she was pretty nervous to talk to me about the dream that she had. And so I knew it was pretty serious. And she called and she said, hey, I don't know what this is about, but I need you to hear me out. And she prayed over me. And then she told me the dream. And the dream was that I was in this closet trying to organize everything. And everything was like different shades of like grays, like light and dark and like everything. And she said, I felt like there's something lukewarm in your life. And as soon as she started speaking this to me, I just crumbled. I just was like, oh my gosh, she knows my sin. She knows everything that's going on. She knows what my intimacy has been that I've given to other people and to other things in my life. But in that moment, instead of just hiding in that place, I sat there and let God really convict my heart. Because in that moment, God was saying, I want you to be in intimacy with me. And since I wasn't allowing him to be the author of my history, and I was allowing myself to be my own author of history, he just simply reminded me saying, I'm the creator of you. I want your heart to be in me and not in all of these other things. So if you guys would, let's turn to John 12. And we're going to read through John 12, 1 through 3. So the thing I want you guys to keep thinking about during this too is, is just like maybe... I'm talking and the God is, and God is bringing stuff up in your heart, but continually asking yourself, like, what is it that I am doing to create my history of intimacy with the Lord? So here we are in John and this is the story about Mary. Now, Mary was Lazarus, 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 not a fifth, <laughs> an S, not a TH, Lazarus's and Martha's sister. And it says in John 12, 1, says, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him supper and Martha served, but Lazarus was one who sat at the table with him. Have you guys heard of the sermon of like Mary and Martha 
Has anyone heard that? Where Martha was always doing and doing and doing and Mary was always serving. And so here Martha's serving and trying to get everything ready because she feels like she has to prepare everything for Jesus. And it says in verse 3, Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed her feet, excuse me, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, does anyone know what spikenard is? Anybody? No? Okay. I didn't know what it was either. So I had to look up spikenard and does anyone in here do oils like essential oils? Yeah. And maybe you know what those are. Um, I see Dakota pointing to her mom back there. So spikenard was a pretty much like an essential oil. And it was from the root of an Indian plant. And this is going to be important for where we're reading. But um, it was an oil from an Indian plant that clings to your skin and your hair. If you've ever been around that person that always has the same scent, it just like sticks on them. Maybe it's a good smell. Maybe it's a bad smell. (laughs) But we're talking about this was a good smell. Now, I know like doTERRA oil, like I looked up. And maybe Chrissy could correct me because she does doTERRA oils. But one of the most expensive oils that I found was called Rose. And it promotes healthy looking skin. And it was $366. And that was for like a five milliliter bottle. So here Mary is with spikenard. And it's not a five milliliter bottle. It's a pound of spikenard. And so if we were to compare spikenard to something in our day to day, I don't, I'm not like the woman who's like, oh, I really love that diamond. I know there's people who know how much diamonds are and all that, but Tiffany's, anyone know Tiffany's? This was compared to what a Tiffany's diamond would be like the top line of a Tiffany's diamond. It was highly valued. Um, This spikenard was also mentioned in Song of Solomon, and it refers to the love between a bride and groom. The presence of this specific oil of spikenard represented their passion for each other and their desire to have only the best to define their love. So to think Mary just poured out a whole pound of this oil on Jesus to show her desire for Jesus, to define her love for Jesus. Now, I think we could say that Mary had an extravagant love for the Lord. So if we continue on here, it says, this is like the end of verse three, but it says, and the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. And so Mary just poured this pound of oil, I'm I'm imagining over Jesus's head, and she goes down and she's wiping his feet and anointing his feet with this oil in her hair, while some of the disciples are watching and they're just not really understanding why she's doing this. But in some of the other gospels, it says that as a woman, Mary was holding a flask filled with expensive fragrant oil. She came right to Jesus in a lavish gesture of devotion. And I looked up lavish and it means excess praise. So she came with 
excess praise for her devotion for the Lord. So she pours it out on Jesus. And I feel like at this point, she was very vulnerable. And it was probably a very humbling moment. Could you imagine going up to someone and even asking them if you can wash their feet? I mean, I know for some of us, even going up to someone when you know God has told you to go tell someone something, you're pretty humbled and it's a very vulnerable thing because you're sharing what the Lord gave you for this person. And so Mary's at the feet of Jesus pouring out her devotion to the Lord. I'm sure it was a huge sacrifice because she probably was like, I mean, I guess I would be like, man, is anybody watching me? Like, what am I doing? What are they going to think of me? I mean, she, she just, I imagine she didn't care though, because she wanted to just flood him with the devotion and the worship of who Jesus is. So again, what are we allowing to create our history in the intimacy that we have with the Lord. If you guys would just shut your eyes for a second. And I feel like some of you maybe have been thinking about it, but just simply ask the Lord, what or who am I allowing to be the author of my history of intimacy with the Lord? Maybe he'll show you one thing, maybe he'll show you a couple things, but just take those things and ask the Lord where he wants your intimacy to be. And I guarantee that the Lord's answer is going to say, I want your intimacy to be in me. I want you to abide in me. Maybe it is your phone or social media. Maybe it is certain musics you listen to. Maybe it is sports or hobbies or even your kids. Maybe you've been living your life with a greater intimacy for taking care of your children than you have actually been allowing the Lord to take care of you and to trust the Lord to take care of your children. Maybe it's giving more intimacy to your spouse even. God loves your spouse, but he wants your heart fully committed to him first. If we lay down these other intimacies to focus in on the one who we're truly supposed to be intimate with, that's when our intimacy will grow. So the things, you guys can go ahead and open your eyes, but the things that God showed you, hold on to that and remember that because we're going to do something else with that at the end. But God wants to walk out our intimacy with us. I imagine when you meet a new friend, maybe some of us have in mind 
When we were younger, I was like, I want to meet that friend just so I can be friends with them, right? But now it's like, I want to meet that friend and I want to have a friendship with them. I want to have that person's back. I want that person to be in my corner when I go through something. And I can imagine we go through and we have these friendships and that like, you don't just have the goal of meeting the person and then just saying that they're your friend to actually have a friendship. You have to put time and commitment into having a friendship, right? So it's the same with God. When we say we want to commit ourselves to God, he doesn't want us to just say, yep, I gave my life to Christ. I'm good. That's great. That's it. He's saying, I want you to come into this friendship with me. I am wanting you to come into this intimacy with me. And it's never like I I know all because we're always growing with God, right? We're always pursuing and seeking after him. We're always trying to be in the place to continue that relationship and that friendship with him. And with God, it takes sacrifice. It takes commitment. We just talked the other day with some people that said, I just don't have time to read the Bible. I just don't have time to do this book study. I just don't have time to do this. And we all, we all have different times that we can do stuff. But I encourage you, you will make time for what is important to you. If God is important to you and your relationship and the intimacy that you have with the Father is important to you, you will make it of importance. You will wake up earlier. You will go to bed later. If you have kids and you feel like, I can't do that because I'm with my kids all day long, invite your kids into that secret place. There's nothing better than having your kids see you seeking after the Lord and growing that friendship with him. It's a fight to have time for intimacy with the Lord. I love our pastors. I love the people who speak at this church. But we shouldn't only be coming to church on a Sunday to have to reconnect with the Lord. We should be continually seeking the Lord and connecting with him every day. He doesn't want our one day of devotion. Like Mary, in that moment, I believe that created the history of the intimacy that she started with the Lord. And I don't feel like it probably just ended there. I feel like she continued to pursue and to seek God after that. So what are we doing to continue and to seek God from the moments of our history with him? Maybe we've created a bad history. Maybe you had a history like me where you gave everything else your intimacy but but the Lord. God doesn't hold that against you. He wants you to say, today I'm going to mark this moment that I'm creating a new history with him, right? And in every season, whether it's good or bad, that's the opportunity for us to build that history with the Lord. So some of the ways I was thinking about how I personally learned to grow my history of intimacy with the Lord was starting with a thankful heart. And I know that sounds so simple, but it is. Jesus is just that simple, When we start with a grateful heart and we give the Lord thanks, it does wonders. It takes us out of the mentality of of us and our self-seeking and our self-indulgence and our self, 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 if you get what I'm saying. But when we start with a grateful heart and we start with worship, 
And I'm saying worship and worship because he is worthy of it. When we give him thanks and we give him praise, it grows our intimacy. When you're with a friend and you're like, man, you're so good at basketball. Like you're really good guard. Is that a, that a thing? Okay. I'm like, I don't even know why I said basketball. I don't even know anything about basketball, <laughs> but that builds up their confidence, right? Like when we're with God and we're giving God praise and thanks, it not only like he doesn't need built up by us. Right. But like it grows something on the inside of us. The second thing is to read your Bible. And I say this and I laugh because I used to do it. I'd be like, I'm reading my Bible. Was I actually reading my Bible? No. <laughs> I would say I was. It was like the churchy thing to say is I'm reading my Bible. But I've also had people say, well, I can't read the Bible. Like it's hard or it's tiring or whatever it is. There's so many different ways that we can get the word of God. There's so many different ways. I mean, you can listen to the word of God on the phone thing, the what Bible app, that one. So no one's judging you if you don't read your Bible, but I'm telling you there's so much importance and there's so much that God has for you by reading his word and it'll grow you. It's okay. If you don't understand everything you're reading, when we first got married, he would read all these things and like quote scriptures. And I'd be like, I am never going to be able to figure that out, but I would read stuff. And then eventually I'd start to put the pieces together. I'm like, that was in this book and it's in this book. And you just, it's crazy how God puts everything in there for a purpose. And if you actually read it, you'll start to recall the things that you've read. And then the last thing is to spend time with him. Don't wait for the perfect timing. It's kind of like people are like, I'm waiting till we have $20,000 in our account and we have a house and we have a dog named Zoo and we have whatever else to have a child. Well, that's really unrealistic because any of you have had children, it's like never the perfect timing, right? But it is the perfect timing because God placed that child in front of you. So spend time with him daily. Like I said, we will make time for the things that are of importance. To keep the history of our intimacy with the Lord, we have to stay in position. Like Lynette had said, it stuck with me so much. We have to stay in our position. We have to stay in our position of intimacy. What we're giving our attention to will thrive. When we're giving our attention to God, it's going to thrive. What we do today determines what our history is tomorrow. And it starts with him today. Today creates the history of where we are going with God. What we open our eye and our ear gateways to creates history. So where are we creating our history with God? So I want to ask you guys today, when I was in that place years ago, I know there was people asking me questions, but I just really wasn't listening to them. I knew I was a Jesus follower, but I wasn't really 
giving him my full attention. So I want to ask you guys today, are you a Jesus follower that's sold out for him, creating history, allowing him to lead the way for you? Or are you a Jesus follower, like I had been, allowing yourself to create your history, allowing your past to define who you are and where you are going with God? I feel like I have to say it again, but we can't let our past define who we are today. He wants to create a newness in us today. I was praying on Thursday morning and I woke up and had first Peter on my heart and I didn't know what it said. So I went to the Bible and started dissecting out what it said. And it says in verse three, celebrate with praises the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has shown us his extravagant mercy. For his foundation of mercy has given us a new life. We are reborn to experience a living, energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We are reborn into a perfect inheritance that can never perish, never be defiled, and never diminish. It is promised and it is preserved forever in the heavenly realm for you. Through our faith, the mighty power of God constantly guards us until our full salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. May this thought of this cause you to jump for joy, even though lately you've had to put up with grief of many trials. But these only reveal the sterling core of your faith, which is far more valuable than gold that perishes. For even gold is refined by fire. It says your authentic faith will result in even more praise, more glory, and more honor when Jesus, the anointed one, is revealed. Then at verse 8, it goes to, Say, you love him passionately, although you did not see him, but through believing in him, you are saturated with an ecstatic joy, indescribably sublime and immersed in glory, for you are reaping the harvest of your faith, the full salvation promised, you and your soul's victory. If you guys would, let's shut our eyes and just take a moment to think about everything that was spoken today. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place this morning. We thank you for creating a place of rest and creating an intimacy in each and every person's heart to go further into relationship with you. God, I'm asking this morning that those that felt like they couldn't run to God because of their past would run to you this morning.
I remember a very vulnerable moment in my life where I literally was weeping on the floor of my garage in the dark on the cold floor. I had made so many messes in my life. I had hurt people. I was ashamed. I had created so many intimacies of things around me that I felt like I couldn't even get out. And all of a sudden, a door opened in my house. And it was my husband. And the light shined through the garage. And I didn't feel worthy to even look at the light. And it was a moment that I knew God was speaking to me and said, you can sit there on the floor in the darkness and be selfish. Or you can come inside. And I knew the Lord was speaking through my husband because my husband literally said, come inside, come inside. You see the darkness that we create, God takes his light his light always will shine through that darkness. That day I chose the door and I'm asking you to choose that door today. Imagine God standing there in front of a mess you've created. Maybe it was something that the world had for you. Maybe it was a self-inflicted wound that you had created yourself. Just imagine yourself in that place on the, on the floor and the door is opening. Maybe that was a place of broken trust. Maybe it was betrayal or regret or hardship. And the Lord's holding open the door. And you see that light. And the light's so much brighter from where he's holding open the door. And he said, would you come in? Can we pray that your love would be more powerful than our past failures and our past history. God, we pray that you would be the solution and the remedy and that you would be our love, God, because Jesus, you are more powerful. You are more powerful. I asked the Lord this morning, I felt like there was two different sets of people in here. And the first set of people, you've been walking with God. You've had a relationship with the Lord. You've seeked him. You've seen his goodness, but you're allowing your past to define where you're going and where you're moving with him. He's asking, will you choose to open the door wider? He wants to excel you into a greater intimacy with him this morning. So I'm encouraging you, if that is you this morning, he's asking you to physically step out, to physically do something. Maybe it's to put your hand on your heart. Maybe it's to stick your hands up in the air. Maybe it's to take a step out in the aisle. Maybe it's to come to the front. But he's saying, I see your heart. I see the position of your heart and I see it turning towards me. I want your intimacy in me. 
Then the second second set of people that God showed me was the people that have been questioning God, questioning the relationship that other people have with God around them. Maybe you have family members that come to church and maybe they're pushy. (laughs) Maybe you're just questioning everything about God. God wants you to know that he sees you this morning and he knows your heart. He created this moment today and knew you were going to be here. He's been holding the door open, but maybe you haven't seen that the door was open because you didn't know that you were supposed to look for it or you were just blinded by things. But God says, I'm holding the door open for you. Would you come inside the door? So with every head bowed and every eye shut, God, today we ask that if these people who have been questioning you God, that they would open the door, that they walk in the door that Jesus has already opened for them and give their life to you for the very first time. If that's you this morning, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just, I want to see your hand so that I can celebrate what God is doing in your life and pray for you because God has only the very best for you. So if that's you this morning, just stick your hand up. God, we lay down ourselves, our selfish desires, and we ask you to flood us with your presence this morning. God, we pray that those who have given their life to Christ this morning, God, that you would bring a full restoration to them. God, we thank you for those who have committed to coming back to you, to grow in a deeper intimacy with you. And God, we ask that you would pour out your love on them, that you would pour out your presence. God, we ask that you would bless them in their relationship and their walk with you. God, we thank you that today marks a day where they created a new history with you, that everything else was laid down and that they gave themselves fully to you, fully surrendering into the intimacy that you have for them. God, we thank you for these things. God, we thank you that you're a good father. We thank you for your presence here this morning. God, we pray that we would continue to delve into your word, to delve into your presence and to create time and be intentional with you. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.